0: So are you that appraiser? I mean, are you that appraiser? You know, for years and years and years and years, I was that appraiser. You know, I concentrated on taking care of my bank clients. had to keep those bankers happy. Had to keep those clients happy. Had to focus solely on mortgage finance transactions, whether it be a purchase or a refinance. You know, the 1004 form, that was my best friend. I was that appraiser. In fact, if a homeowner called me and was thinking about selling their house, I would turn that work down. I had to focus on my clients, on my bank clients. Well, I finally changed that and decided to diversify my practice. You know, if you are that appraiser, and it's okay to be that appraiser, what's going to happen if these interest rates go up? You know, we talk about PIWs and and pdcs and that's that's for another broadcast pdcs so join me again sometime and we talk about all these other folks doing our job but but let's just look at something that does happen the rates will probably go up at some point in the future you know back in the 80s gosh the rates were 18 19 and and now i'm like you i want three and a half as well But just imagine if the rates went up to six, seven, eight, nine, or even God forbid, 10%. If you're working primarily on refinances and purchases, what's going to happen to your business? I have Mark Bueller, a certified appraiser, certified residential appraiser from California. He's got over 25 years experience and he's found a niche. Hey, Mark, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad you're here. So you know we were talking a little bit about diversification, and I did that many years ago. you know i had a I had a choice. I could either uh, find something else to do for a living because business slowed down radically, you know, in the mortgage world there for a while. so i could I could find uh, another job. I could suddenly become unethical, which wasn't a choice for me. Um, or I could maybe try to find things that other folks didn't want to do. And for me, it was, it was getting into the realm of litigation support, you know, starting to do divorces or construction defects and even extended further and helping appraisers that. Get in trouble trying to help them get out of trouble, and uh, and testifying in that regard. So I diversified my practice to kind of weather the storm, if you will. And I found out, good lord, that that just opens the door for a, no, a whole new book of business. Now I mentioned that you have found a niche, and so tell our our audience what your niche is.
1: Well, I've been uh, in the green and energy efficient. F- Field here for the past three or four years, and I got an incredible opportunity to present uh, a course uh, with another gentleman who's a—he's not an appraiser, but he's well regarded in the in the uh, green field, so to speak. He teaches realtors more than appraisers. So the two of us teamed up, and we've been doing this class on um, green and energy efficient buildings, uh, green. Buildings that are labeled and certified as green, and trying to bring that to the appraisers and and help them to demonstrate the value that is within these homes that are labeled and certified and have these types of features.
0: That's great. That's great. So so let's just kind of dip our toe in the in the arena here a little bit and and tell our listeners what what the heck what the heck is a green property. You're not talking about the color green, I know, but, but what, what makes a house green?
1: Well, there's a lot of different components that go into a green home or building, you know, on the commercial side, we've probably all heard about the lead buildings, the lead platinum buildings. And, and that's a, a one type of a certification. There's a n- numerous different, uh, labels and certifications out there for homes, but they're all basically, um, working off of a, a checklist, so to speak, hitting on certain uh, points or the what they call the pillars of green. And so five of them, there's some, some hit on seven, some hit on five, but five of them would do with the site, um, the water usage and efficiency, energy efficiency, the materials that are used. And one that's really hard for appraisers to measure, but really for the public, um, I think is becoming increasingly important is indoor air quality, and yeah, the yeah. way that these homes are built, um, they will res- if they're built to these standards with sustainable materials and stuff, the indoor air quality as a byproduct is improved, and that's very important to people, especially people that have respiratory issues and such.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's amazing, uh, and and I think you touched on that. You know, lady I'm I'm dating. She's she's a specialist in allergies and and whatnot. And and many times you you find that people will take carpet out of their houses or various things to try and cut cut down on that. I know I've seen some some surveys and statistics that say that in in some instances indoor air quality is measured at four, five, six, seven, eight percent. Uh, worse than outdoor quality. I mean, you, you're going to breathe better if you go outside, for crying out loud, than staying in this particular house. So how do you how do you achieve some of that stuff? And what can we look for or look at when we're talking about a, a green property?
1: Um, the, a lot of what an appraiser is going to be able to see is the materials that are built. And a lot of it you can't see. So we need documentation to, to back up What's behind those walls?
0: So, uh, give us some know. examples of that. For, for for instance, things that I can't see. Give me some. Give me some examples of that.
1: The framing of the house, the insulation, the um, what's very important in this is what they call sealing the envelope of the home. So mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to see the um, the leakage, the air leakage that goes in and out of a home, and every little. Um, light receptacle and canned light and every little hole in your house is a place for air to infiltrate. And with that air comes moisture, which damages the house Mm -hmm. and, and um, your air quality is compromised. And when you go into a house that's built, the highest level of this type of building is, is called passive house, which is popular in, in Europe. Um, You can feel the difference and it's like, you won't want to live in a home that doesn't have that once you've been in it.
0: Wow, wow, it's that noticeable, huh? You, so, so when you're in that environment, you said that that's actually physically noticeable. Oh, like yes. you just—you you wouldn't want to live in a house without it once you've experienced that. Wow. Passive, like, right.
1: passive house, uh, one that I was in had insulated. The envelope, or or sealed the envelope all the way up to the roof line. So inside of the attic was just as comfortable as downstairs in the living room.
0: That's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. So so let's let's talk about that for a minute because we, we, you're talking about sealing the envelope, and and sometimes I've referred that to uh, as like wrapping a house. Okay, wrapping it, and and I know that there's a lot of consumers out there that for a long long time now has have maybe not looked at it from a perspective of green, but looked at it more from a perspective of, Hey, I don't want my, my heat going out out that window, you know? So I want to wrap my house as tight as I can wrap it. I'm going to put triple pane windows in. I'm going to put cellulose insulation in. I'm going to wrap this sucker. I don't want, I don't want to lose a drop of air out of there, but that can cause some problems. Can't it? I mean, can't you actually have a house too tight uh, I was always told that a house needs to be able to breathe. You know, there there needs to be, you need to have the ability to get fresh air in. Uh, so talk about that. Can Can we wrap or seal the envelope as you've been referring to it? Can we wrap a house too tight?
1: well there's two schools of thought on that that some building scientists would say no you can 't but it 's true what you said the house does need to breathe it needs to be ventilated properly and filtered properly so you're you're taking air in and from the outside and conditioning it and you're uh, you're ex- exhausting out the air from the inside and th- there's an air exchange that happens that has to happen um you know, at a certain rate. And when that conditioned air comes in and it's cooled, you want that to stay in your house. In our area, we want to keep our houses cool. and in, in other colder climates, they want to keep their homes warm. They want to keep whatever they're doing inside and not let it escape
0: out. Right, right. So what I'm hearing is what we want to do is bring good clean air in and get rid of the bad air, you know, kind of kind of have that constant flow where I've got good stuff coming in and bad stuff going out. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you talked about things that you can't see or as a practicing appraiser, you know, if I walk through a house, I wouldn't be able to see some of this stuff. You also mentioned a moment ago some, some of the things that maybe we can see or can identify. Why don't you go through a, a quick checklist on some of those things?
1: Well, you're going to obviously, you mentioned the flooring. You're going to see, um, I used to see homes that were, that had no carpet, and it was typically a home where one of the children maybe had asthma or something. And now we've got uh, sustainable materials that are going into the flooring, such as, you know, bamboo and different types of uh, products that you can notice. Um, there's these new, uh, well, they're not that new, I guess, but the uh, the ductless mini splits or even the ducted mini splits, you'll see these on the walls. They look kind of like a, uh, just a room air conditioning type unit that you might see like in a hotel. That's an indicator there that, hey, these, might, these people might be interested in efficiency and green. And you start to ask them questions, and hopefully they'll have paperwork to back up some of the stuff that you can't see. Um, but, you know, you're seeing – Around here, you're seeing people put solar on their roof to, to limit their electricity bills as the utilities increase electric prices and, and really insulating your house. You know, once If we have to go up into the attic and look, you see something that's got twice or three times as much insulation as you're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. A light bulb may go off in your head to start asking this homeowner more questions about some of the things they've done.
0: Yeah, and so maybe that's a telltale sign that that we as appraisers need to think, golly, you know, look how much money they wasted on this unnecessary amount of insulation. It may, it may just be that it's a, a consequence of, of green, so uh, it might be something that we need to look at, or or at least. Um, Consult with the owner or the builder or the real estate agent, who, whoever we're dealing with. What about water? Tell me about uh, uh, is does that have anything? What are we doing with the with the water supply or the or the water disposal for that matter?
1: Um, the water, what can be done with the water is we can reclaim that water and reuse it. So <clears throat> the gray water can go from just about anywhere in the house except for the toilets um and the kitchen disposal because of the grease but you can you can capture that into cisterns and and, um holding tanks and reuse that to to um to irrigate your yard on the outside because the majority of the water use in a home or out you know on a property is in irrigating and and watering the yard Mm -hmm. inside the house the number one uh Water use is with the toilet. So, uh, re- reclaiming and reusing the water is a big thing that you can do. And even capturing the rainfall that hits your roof, you know, you can, uh, it's a, the statistics are amazing. Uh, one hour of rainfall in a 2,000 square foot house gathers up hundreds of gallons of water.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, instead of just letting that water go down a storm sewer and, and, and never to be used, we could actually put that to good use, is what you're saying.
1: Yes, I mean, in some areas, the water district has got really high rates and people are getting really high bills. So these are insulation and recap, reclaiming water is, are very in, inexpensive fixes. You know, when you talk about putting in dual pane windows and solar panels on your roof, now you're talking about the high ticket items.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll get to cost in just a minute, but, uh, um, you mentioned solar. So let, let's just talk about that real quick, because I know in, in my area, we have some green stuff, but, but it's not really caught on, I think, to the degree, like maybe you, you're out in California, right? So you probably see this a lot more often, but, but we will occasionally see the big solar panels that they have up on, on the, a lot of times on the roofs. And I remember in in the neighborhood I grew up in, and God, this this has been a long time ago. We had one property owner that had the big giant panels up up on his roof, and it it was kind of a a thing that you you drive people would drive by just to look at this thing because it was I mean it was quite the sight. It was a big contraption, you know. And I think most folks were like, "Well, that's really kind of neat, but I don't want one of those on my on my roof, right?" And uh, so let's talk about that because I believe appraiser appraisers listening. I, I had a couple of folks from Hawaii in uh, in my class. Uh, gosh, I would I wish I would have went where they were located <laughs> <laughs> to teach instead of them coming to me. But I had a couple of folks from Hawaii, and they were asking some questions about the solar systems because apparently it's very commonplace there. And uh, so let's talk about that real quick. Um, how does that solar system work and and where are they positioning these these days?
1: Well, solar is increasingly becoming a pain point for appraisers in certain localities. Um, California, it's very popular. In fact, the building code here changes January 1st, 2020, where the homes are um, the building code requires the homes to be zero net energy, meaning that they will produce as much energy or electricity as they're modeled to use, so wow. say a two thousand square foot house is using five hundred kilowatt hours a month. The builder will be required to build a home that has enough solar or whatever. It's solar here because of the density of the homes, but you could use wind or or whatever um, sustainable. Uh, electricity, of yeah. course.
0: You, you mentioned that I, I know every time I drive to Chicago, you know, I dro- drive up through Indiana, and they have these huge windmill farms. They're, they're quite the, si- I mean, they're quite the sight. People pull over and take pictures. It's a whole farm of windmills, and and most of the time, all of the props are moving. A- occasionally, you'll find one that. It doesn't look like it's moving, but if you really look at it close, it's just barely moving. So, yeah, the windmill technology is amazing, too. It's quite the sight to drive by and see that. There's
1: hydroelectric, you know, in certain areas in the Pacific Northwest. And here we have we have a lot of solar and out in the desert, we have big solar farms and we do have some um, wind wind farms out there, too. Um, But, yeah, solar has become a pain point for a lot of appraisers And, and lending And underwriting is now requiring them to support their adjustments or lack thereof for these solar uh, amenities. And it's just a very complicated uh, process of extracting the information from the homeowner. Oftentimes, they don't even know how they own it, if they lease it, or if it's, you know, how large the system is or what. So there's a lot of misinformation out there on it but Hawaii certainly has a lot of it. Arizona. Um, I have a, a class that I've done in California and Arizona and I've got my site set on going over to Hawaii and doing that with some ulterior motive there too. But, um, uh, I wouldn't mind spending a little time over there and yeah. some appraisers, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's really becoming popular here. And, and with the building code changing, I think it's going to increase and, Nationwide, my experience has been it's not as widely accepted and market reaction isn't really that hard to uh, – isn't that easy uh, to, to decipher and see if, it, if the market is paying more money for it. And it's, I think what I've found is it's directly related to the cost of electricity in your area. So if the return on investment doesn't make any sense and electricity is inexpensive in your area, why put it up there? Because it could take you 10 years to get back to square one. And then there's the ugly factor that you said, you know, I don't want that on my roof. Right, right. Uh, There's that. But I think technology over time is going to change all that. We've got well, roofing materials now that are solar photovoltaic.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I saw where they they are actually making shingles that will capture uh, via solar technology. Is amazing. So that that doesn't look any different than some of the other roofs out there. It's hard to hard to differentiate. Uh, and, and you mentioned the cost and and whether or not it's feasible. I know. Geothermal kind of, kind of got popular around here a little bit. And the, and the whole, the whole take on that, at least for market participants in certain areas, I'm, I won't say the whole area, but in certain areas is if, if natural gas was available, they're going to use that. You know, the mar- most market participants are going to use natural gas and, and a, a traditional, probably forced, forced warmer unit. But where natural gas wasn't available, then it really kind of, you know, you'd see folks go with an electric system or electric heat pump, but you kind of find folks that, that would explore that geothermal option. Uh, so uh, we did, we do see some of that, and and of course, depending on how long you're going to be in the property, might chime into that whether or not it makes sense economically speaking to to, to bear that cost. So let's talk about cost in general right now. Um, let's just. Let, I don't know on your street mark or where subdivision you do a lot of work and what's a typical size house. Well, you're in California It might be 600 square feet out there. Yeah, right. I forgot yeah. about, I forgot about that. But uh,
1: I live okay. in a neighborhood that has homes that are 2 to 3000 square feet. Okay. All right. My next door neighbor just put solar on his roof. Now, we live very close to the ocean in a mild climate. So, it's I don't have it on my roof. Um okay. And the utility bill is not that expensive here if you're, um, you know, if, if you're careful about how you use it. But he's got a bigger house with a pool and all that stuff, so mm-hmm. works for him.
0: Well, let's talk about that. And we're not locking you in. There's no assignment. There's no clients, so and nobody nobody's going to file a complaint on you as a consequence of this podcast. But just just in general terms, a two thousand square feet home you you mentioned your you know you've got those around you, so let's just say that that there was a house uh two new constructed homes one is two thousand square feet' just traditional traditionally built a very nice nice home and then directly across the street is another two thousand square foot home but but we're going to say that it meets your definition of green okay and i know I know that can be a whole lot of different things i'm with you there but but give us an idea of what the cost differential is. Just, just a roundabout guess. The, the house that is on one side of the street that doesn't meet the definition of green and the one across the street that is green. I know I, this might be a tough question and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but give us an idea of what are we looking at as a cost differential between the, the green versus the non green, if you will.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up in in the one class that I'm uh, teaching. There is a um, survey of builders and they've come up with, and it's one of the questions on one of the tests one day, it's around 5%. And, but the perception is that to build a home to that standard is much higher than that. So Mm -hmm. it's, or 5% higher is what they're saying. And in, in California, I mentioned that we're going to have to build these homes to net zero net energy standards. Well, my thought is the, the way to make a home zero net energy isn't to slap as much solar on the roof as you can. They're going to start to build these homes more efficiently with more insulation and, mm-hmm. and they're going to be building in mass. So their costs are different than the one guy who's going to do it to his house on his own. So when you're building... From a um, you know a home builder building a tract, the smart ones will find out real quick that to make that home zero net energy, it's the not the not so sexy items like windows and solar. It's the solar. It's the insulation going in and the envelope being sealed mm-hmm. properly, and right. maybe building with less sticks, you know, and building sixteen inches on center or what you know, however they frame it, but. They're, I'm sure they've got it figured out because they break ground January 1st, 2020, and they're into a whole new building code here.
0: It's a whole new world January 1st is what I'm hearing.
1: Yes, and I think that's going to move across the country. The mm-hmm. uh, the um New England states are very progressive on this stuff because their problem there is they need to keep their warmth in.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Mark Bueller uh has been with me today. I'm I'm excited uh to announce that you've you've agreed to come back and join us on a webinar. Uh that's gonna be in August and, and I have you for a whole hour that day, right? You're you're still on board with that, right?
1: Don't yes, absolutely. On. I look forward to it.
0: All right. And we'll, we'll certainly get the word out. So anyone listening, if you're interested in green and, and, and the content that Mark Bueller has here today, you'll be able to ask him questions. And, uh, the webinars are the fourth Thursday of every month. So Mark's agreed to join us with our August webinar. Uh, go over to appraiserlearning dot com you can find out information about how to uh subscribe it's on the youtube channel and so we're tickled to death to uh, have Mark come back and join us for a longer version in August. in the meantime Mark if somebody wants to reach out and contact you, what is the best way for any of our listeners to uh, ring your bell if you will
1: um you can email me i'm I'm Mark at CMPappraisal.com. Uh, I have uh, a bunch of different classes going on. So one of them is the solar class. I've got a website for that. It's appraisesolar.com. Um, yeah. And I, I get a lot of uh, past students reaching out to me when they run up against these types of properties and with questions. Because to sit in the class and, and learn about it is one thing, but then to be faced with that problem um then sometimes they reach out to me via phone or via email and, and
0: I walk them through it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's gracious of you to allow them to do that. And, and I know that, that they certainly appreciate that. I, I as well get those calls and, uh not on green not on green i'm not, <laughs> guys call mark on green not brian <laughs> whatever you do don't call me on green but uh thank you so much for joining us today i look forward to bringing you back in in august and uh and boy it's been fun i've learned a lot and in, in august we we're, we're going to have a lot more time and the folks can ask their questions live but thank you very mark very much mark i know you're a busy guy and thank you very much for participating with us today
1: Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. And I'm always uh, happy to share the word of green and solar and be a resource to my fellow appraiser.
0: Thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Appraisal Update. I'm Brian Reynolds, your host, brought to you by Appraiser eLearning.